quite.
Welcome morning. to Stony Creek United Methodist Church. I'm Pastor Michael. I'm very happy to have you all here, whether you're joining us in person or watching this on Facebook or YouTube um, or listening on our phone call in number later on today. Today is the first Sunday in February. We will be celebrating uh, Holy Communion during our service today. Uh, we have a couple quick announcements. Next Sunday, the 12th, um, the United Methodist Church recognizes Scout Sunday, so we will be having uh, some of our uh, kids who are in Scouts, as well as I believe um, a couple members of the Girl Scout troop that uh, we support here as well. So um, hopefully you can make it for next week as well. And if you are a retired Scout, because you're never really a former Scout, right? You're just retired. <laughs> um, please feel free to... Um, yeah, wear your uniform, whatever, if it still fits. Um, and if there's anything, if you would like to participate in anything beyond above and normal, please uh, just let me know before the service. Um, do we have other announcements? Just a few. I'll go fast. Well, not too fast. Um, food gatherers, the fresh produce box is going to be distributed this Thursday at school. And then Friday, our chef comes in and we're making pizzas with the children in the afternoon. So if you want to play in pizza dough, come on over. The 15th, that's uh, going to be on a Wednesday. If you're interested in going to lunch, we're going to meet at 1130 up at the Bomber Restaurant in Ipsy and the sign-up sheet's in the back. And we're, we have order forms that are on the um, table, back, <clears throat> table back there at the lectern. And they're to order the Easter flowers and we're kind of changing it up this year. Rather than lilies, we're going, you have your choice. You could order uh, daffodils or tulips or hyacinths. So we're just gonna have on Easter Sunday, a burst of colors in here. Very joyful. And then the third graders are gonna get their Bibles on February 26th. So if you know of any third graders uh, or some that we've missed over the last few years with COVID, uh, let Sarah or Mike know. Okay. Also, normally we would have our uh, board of directors meeting on the 15th next Wednesday. We have moved that to the 16th Thursday, uh, still at the same time, uh, 6.30. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you are on the board and did not get the heads up on that, Thursday, not Wednesday, next week. Um, and if you are not on the board but would like to attend, just so you know what day we're actually doing that so you don't walk in and wonder where everybody went. <laughs> Anything else for the good of the cause? All right, I'm gonna turn things over to our praise band to get us started. All right, this morning, can you please stand if you are able? We are gonna start with number um, 59 in the red folder. If you wanna look in the black hymnal, it's number 2173. Or in the red folders? No, no. Number 59 on page 19.
Once again, um, I'm Barb. I will be your liturgist this morning. And if you can join me in the opening prayer, if you want to stand, you can. Don't feel compelled to do it if you don't want to. So here we go. Holy God, you gave the law to show your people the way of righteousness. Help us receive your commandments as grace and live as your obedient children, that your goodness may shine through us to the glory of your name, through Jesus Christ, amen, Lord. Amen. Like a spring whose waters never fail, God calls us to share what we have received. Let us offer ourselves, our gifts, our time, and our talents now to God.
you would rise as you are able and join in our doxology number 95 in the red hymnal. Loving God, we give thanks for all you have given to us, and we praise you for your astounding goodness. Receive the dedication of our hearts, minds, and bodies for the ministry of your church. Bless our offering for the work of your kingdom, and give us wisdom for the right use of all that you have provided through Christ our Lord and Savior. Amen. You may be seated. It is now a time for all of God's children. I'd like to invite our children and youth to come up and hang out with me. But remember, you are all God's children, so everyone is invited to come up. How are you guys doing this morning? Everybody kind of awake? Okay. So this month, do you guys know what you're going to be learning about? You're going to be learning about God's kingdom. It's pretty cool, right? So I have a question. How old are each of you? How old are you guys? Okay. I don't know. Um, okay, I have another question for you guys. Does Jesus love you? Yeah. Kind of. Kind of? Yeah. All right, I want to read you guys a story called Jesus and the Children. And I'm going to show you first. We've got Jesus and a bunch of the children. And then these are some adults over here, and, and you're going to hear about them in a second, too. So some people brought their children to see Jesus. The people wanted Jesus to bless their children. The disciples, they didn't want the people to bring their children to Jesus. Don't bother Jesus, the disciples said to the people. Jesus taught the disciples, let the children come to me. Don't keep them from being with me. God's kingdom belongs to people like these children. You must be like these children to be a part of God's kingdom. So Jesus called the children to him. He took them in his arms and hugged them. And Jesus blessed each and every child. So I wonder, who's your favorite person to give a hug to? Okay. Okay, so teachers, family, friends, yeah. 
Mom and Dad. You got anything? No? Okay. All right, so who's your favorite person to hug? Is it your sister? You can tell us. We won't, we won't let it get out. Okay. All right, so, so Jesus told the disciples that the kingdom of God belongs to people like the children. That's you guys. That means you guys are really super important to God and to Jesus, okay? Don't ever forget that, and don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise, all right? You guys are super important to God. All right, can you guys do a repeat after me prayer with me? You ready? Dear God, thank you for Jesus, who welcomes and loves us. Amen. Amen. All right, we are going to do the Lord's Prayer later when we do communion. So you guys are all set for Sunday school. If you'd like to have a sucker, you can take one with you. Okay. We'll see. All right, thank you guys for hanging out. All right, if the rest of you would rise as you are able and join me in hymn number 581, Lord Whose Love Through Humble Service.
may be seated. Now is the time that we bring before God and God's people the things that may be weighing upon our hearts and our minds, but also those things that give us cause for great celebration. Do we have any joys or concerns we'd like to lift up this morning? I would like to ask for prayers for Dave. He is having a medical procedure tomorrow morning, and we're hoping and praying that all goes well. Um, I don't know if it's a joy or a concern. A joy, I found a condo that I'll be moving into. Uh, the concern is I'm trying to pack 78 years of life down into two bedrooms, two bathrooms, and a living room. So this may be exciting, uh, but everything's going well, and I'm happy about it. I have two concerns. One's my uh, son's friend, Clinton. He has four blood clots, two in his lung and two in his leg. They're having a rough time getting those out, and he's been in the hospital. And my um, stepbrother, James, has bone marrow cancer. So if we could have prayers for him as well. All right, I would like to just add also to our list continued prayers for the family of Bruce Upston um, as they continue in their mourning and for all families who may be mourning uh, this day. It feels like we've had quite a busy time in that realm. If you would turn to page 420 in your hymnals, we are going to use verse 1 of Breathe on Me, Breath of God, uh, for our invitation to the prayer. please join me in an attitude of prayer. Almighty God, through the testimony of those who know your love, you have guided us to ask for what we need. Our Lord Jesus called his disciples to live as a city on a hill and a lamp on a stand that all may see the glory of God. We pray for the church, the community of disciples, Grant that we who claim the name of Christ may shine as light into our dark world in every place it is needed. Our brother Paul led the church not by lofty words of human wisdom, but by wisdom born of your spirit. We pray for those who serve the church. Let our pastors, teachers, and those who minister in the name of Christ forsake worldly knowledge that perishes and be led by your truth. 
Blessed are those who honor your commandments, O Lord. We pray for our world, for the governments, and for its leaders. May all who rule honor justice and compassion and serve the common good that all people may flourish. You teach us to offer food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted. We pray for the sick, the hungry, the poor, the homeless, and all of those who are oppressed. Let your church minister to those in distress to bear witness to your abiding compassion for all who suffer. And give us strength and wisdom to stand for those who are oppressed. We also especially lift up to you this morning, O oh God. Clinton, we pray that the blood clots in his body might dissipate, that he might be healed. We pray for James, who is fighting bone marrow cancer. We pray for Dave, who will be undergoing a medical procedure, and we ask that in this and every other case, you would guide the hands and efforts of the doctors, the nurses, the surgeons, all healthcare workers who work so diligently to help heal your creation. Lord, we also lift up to you this morning prayers of thanksgiving for new opportunities in our lives, for new things. We pray that Fonda will have an easy time moving into her new home and that while she will need to pare down some of her possessions, may that time bring her great memories of joy. We also, God, lift up all of those who are in mourning this day. Whether we have lost someone recently or long ago, the loss of a loved one is something that we as humanity struggle with greatly. Help us to know that we all mourn in our own time, in our own ways. There is no right way to do it. I ask that your Holy Spirit might bring comfort and peace to all of those who are in their grief and morning this day. To you, O oh God, we pray through Christ, with Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, forever and ever, always. Amen. I invite you to please look in your bulletins and join me aloud in our prayer for illumination. Lord, open our understanding by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as the word is proclaimed, you may receive holy wisdom to understand the gifts you have bestowed on us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hi. It's me again. Um, we're getting ready to do our first scripture reading. It's going to be from Isaiah chapter 58, verses 1 through 12. Um, I took a little bit of a deeper dive, meaning I searched Google to figure out what we're trying to learn from this passage. And just in a little bit of a nutshell, 
uh, when we re as we read through this, what it's trying to have us understand is that th it means to stop pointing the finger and speaking evil of others. It means satisfying the needs of the afflicted, injustice, oppression, hunger, homelessness, poverty, nakedness, blame and slander are God's concerns, things that are important and matter to God, and they are not only physical conditions, they can also be emotional and spiritual. We can hunger for a meal and we can hunger for love. We can be homeless on the streets and we can be homeless within ourselves. So let's go ahead and read this passage and see what we'll learn from it. Fasting from injustice. Shout loudly, don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their crime, to the house of Jacob their sins. They seek me day after day, desiring knowledge of my ways like a nation that acted righteously, that didn't abandon their God. They ask me for righteous judgments, wanting to be close to God. Why do we fast and you don't see? Why we afflict ourselves and you don't notice? Yet on your fast day, you do whatever you want and oppress all your workers. You quarrel and brawl and then you fast. You hit each other violently with your fists. You shouldn't fast as you are doing today if you want to make your voice heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I choose? A day of self-affliction, of bending one's head's head like a reed, and of lying down in mourning clothing and ashes. Is this what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Isn't this the fast I choose, releasing wicked restraints, untying the ropes of a yoke, setting free the mistreated, and breaking every yoke? Isn't it sharing your bread with the hungry and bringing the homeless poor into your house, covering the naked when you see them, and not hiding from your own family? Then your light will break out like a dawn and you will be healed quickly. Your own righteousness will walk before you and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and God will say, I'm here. If you remove the yoke from among you, the finger pointed, pointing the wicked speech, if you open your heart to the hungry and provide abundantly for those who are afflicted, your light will shine in the darkness and your gloom will be like the noon. The Lord will guide you continually and provide for you, even in parched places. He will rescue your bones. You will be like a watered garden, like a spring water that won't run dry. They will rebuild ancient ruins on your account. The foundations of generations you will restore. You will be called mender of broken walls, restorer of livable streets. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We are going to now join in singing Give to the Winds Thy Fears. In the red hymnal, it's number 129. If you're able, 
Feel free to stand if, if you're more comfortable being seated, that's fine. seated. Our second scripture reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. We are looking at chapter 5, verses 13 through 20, which you can find beginning on page 958. Uh, the Bibles in the pews are the NIV translation. I will be reading from the Common English Bible translation, uh, but I think you will find most everything lines up pretty close the same. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how will it become salty again? It's good for nothing except to be thrown away and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on top of a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on top of a lampstand, and it shines on all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people, so they can see the good things you do and praise your Father who is in heaven. Don't even begin to think that I have come to do away with the law and the prophets. I haven't come to do away with them, but to fulfill them. I say to you very seriously that as long as heaven and earth exist, Neither the smallest letter nor even the smallest stroke of a pen will be erased from the law until everything there becomes a reality. Therefore, whoever ignores one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called the lowest in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps these commands and teaches people to keep them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I say to you that unless your righteousness is greater than the righteousness of the legal experts and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you'd please join me once again in an attitude of prayer. Loving God who never gives up on us even when we turn away or cause others and ourselves to stumble. It is through your grace alone that we hold any hope of eternal life with you in a place you have prepared for us. 
We ask that you might send your Holy Spirit into our hearts and minds to inspire and lead us to live out our faith publicly and authentically with love and grace for everyone in this world. Help us to faithfully fulfill the two greatest commandments according to your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to love you and to love one another. Now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts together in this place be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Cheng Sameak, or happy holiday to you all. Today is Tu Bishvat, the new year for trees, something similar to Arborday, Arbor sorry, and is one of the four new years in the Jewish calendar. Now this is not particularly relevant to my message this morning. I was just kind of looking for another way to say good morning or something similar as I began. The month of January is now behind us, and we have started to dip our toes into February and Black History Month. And even though February is the shortest month of the year in terms of the number of days, it somehow often feels like it just goes on and on and on and on. Later this month, we will celebrate Ash Wednesday in the beginning of Lent, a 40-day journey that will lead us to Holy Week and Easter Sunday. Until that time, we will be continuing in our current sermon series, The Gifts That Keep On Giving. Again, the purpose of this series is to help us to work together in discovering the gifts that God offers to us and, and to challenge all of us to dive headfirst into accepting those gifts that we are offered. Today we are picking up right where we left off in Matthew's Gospel with verses 13 going through verse 20 in the fifth chapter as we look at the gift of public witness. With little effort, we can find an almost limitless number of contradictions all throughout life. A very common one is around money. There is the saying that the pursuit of money is the root of all evil, and our sense of self-worth should not boil down to dollars and cents. Worrying about money is, is stressful, and wouldn't we all be happier in a reality where we never had to worry about it? But at the same time, we recognize the importance of financial literacy. Without it, people find themselves facing potentially predatory practices by banks and lending institutions, even leading to crippling debt. Credit cards in and of themselves are, are not really evil necessarily, but using them frivolously or to live beyond one's means is problematic. And again, it creates stress and weighs upon our hearts. So do we focus and worry about money? Or do we avoid spending much time in the pursuit and thoughts around it? Another common contradiction is in regard to the perceptions that others have of us. Many of us have been told since we were quite young that we shouldn't worry ourselves about what others think of us. We shouldn't get too caught up in, 
in how others perceive us, especially because more often than not, people are not really spending nearly the amount of time thinking about us as we assume that they do. We would all be much happier if we could forget about external validation and instead focused on on doing things that make us fulfilled, things that help us be our truest selves. But the other side of that is the constant bombardment to, to try and answer the question, how will I be remembered? If the person interviewing us for a potential job thinks poorly of us, then we surely will not secure that opportunity for employment. If the family of a person that we want to spend the rest of our lives with thinks negatively about us, that relationship is set for a very rough journey and maybe an even earlier ending. One of the realities that can sometimes frustrate readers of scripture is that it too is filled with apparent contradictions, especially when it comes to what we do in private and what we do in public. Now this is by no means the only frustration that people run into when reading scripture. But I think it is probably fair to say that apparent or perceived contradictions that we find in the Bible are probably one of the largest sources of frustration and annoyances that people tend to have when they are reading and trying to engage with it. Disputes regarding the internal consistency and textual integrity of the Bible have a very, 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 very long history. In his 19, or sorry, his 1670 Tractus Theologopoliticus, say that 10 times fast, uh, Brock Spinoza, a Dutch philosopher, considered the Bible to be, as he put it, a book rich in contradictions. Then in the 18th century, Thomas Paine, an American political activist and revolutionary, in his work titled The Age of Reason, he compiled many of the Bible's self-contradictions as he saw them. And a little later on, in 1860, William Henry Burr, a newspaper and court reporter, he produced a list of 144 thematically organized pairs of self-contradictions in the Bible in his work titled Self-Contradictions of the Bible. Wasn't very original in the title on that one. That publication was then and remains still an essential reference work for atheists, biblical skeptics and doubters, as well as even believers who, who want to know what the opposition, if you will, is up to. And Jesus is really no exception to this quandary regarding apparent or perceived contradictions. Often find times we find Jesus telling people to, to go and tell no one of the miracles that they have just witnessed him perform. He says that to the disciples countless times throughout the Gospels. But then at other times, the mandate that Jesus gives is clear and much the opposite. Instead, go out, 
heal people, free people, feed people, and several other acts that are all very much public acts of faith. These actions were not something that Jesus wanted to be done in in secret or behind closed doors, but out in the open places in the world so that people could see, they could witness the power and the love of God. I think one of the greatest challenges of being people of faith in what many might call an increasingly secular world is knowing the whens, hows, and wheres of expressing one's faith. When is it the right time? Or is there always or never a right time? How do we go about doing this? What actions can we take that show and inspire love instead of exclusion and oppression? Where is the right place to be public? Where can we best express our faith in the God of love so that all can bear witness to God's grace? Of course, there is no one answer to the methods of our faith. There is no one single way to express one's faith. And there is not just one single solitary time or time frame in which to act on our faith. There are some people who will recommend against talking religion or, or values altogether because inevitably you are bound to offend someone. And that goes well beyond just the people who may have different beliefs than we do. Given the diversity and the complexity of theological expressions in our world, even just within Christianity, there may always be a risk of being misunderstood or having your intended message contorted. I think back to several generations before my own that have shared with me how they were taught time and again, you should never discuss politics or religion at the dinner table. I believe the true original intent in that was to avoid offending someone, to try and keep conversation light and easy, and probably geared most likely towards when you were in a public setting or a party type setting, not necessarily so much just within your own family unit. Keep things simple. Remove even the slightest hint of drama or disagreement. But the problem with that strategy, that way of operating is twofold. First, if you always avoid challenging or uncomfortable topics, in discussions, then we will never get anywhere in life or progress any farther in this world. And secondly, by avoiding these kinds of topics, all we have really accomplished is creating numerous generations of people who do not know how to have civil, constructive, and meaningful conversations 
around two of the most important and most impactful areas of concern and meaning in our lives, politics and religion. And the sad truth is we are still seeing the ramifications of that even today. Every time an election comes up or some other situation or topic or reality that our opinion is, a form, is informed by our faith and beliefs arise. We don't have to look that far back to see how impossible it has been over the last few years for people to have a civil conversation about something they might disagree about. But even with that fear of being misunderstood or or our message becoming misconstrued, it is clear that there are times when we are called out into the world to bear a public and powerful witness to Christ. If we fail to do so, then we're really just paying lip service to a faith that so clearly calls us to both private and public expressions of faith. And the unfortunate truth is that without those public actions and expressions of faith, we risk becoming that bland, tasteless faith that draws fewer and fewer people and ultimately stands directly in contradiction to the ways Christ took on many people he had known for quite a while. Maybe that is already happening. I feel like often all I hear anymore is how every church and every denomination is struggling to grow, to connect with people, to draw people nearer to God, and the grace bought with the sacrifice of Jesus' life. Have we already fallen completely to that lip service and lost the power of our public witness to Christ? I wonder... What are some ways in which each of you or even our entire faith community has boldly lived or expressed faith in public? And I'm not saying that because I assume that it hasn't happened. I'm asking a legitimate question. And I'm not talking about standing on the street corners telling people that they are doomed for all eternity to suffering and darkness if they do not accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior right this very second. That's not true evangelism. That is not how we live out our faith authentically. The sad reality is it is still something that occurs every single day in far, far too many places. Throughout my entire time in undergrad, I walked from one of the train stations in Chicago to our campus and passed more street corner preachers that I could count and didn't hear a single word of hope. Every single message was how everything was going to be horrible, how we were all damned. That's not the God I know. That's not how we love God or our neighbors. I also wonder if we could be completely open and honest. What are the biggest obstacles to living faith out in public? Can we be honest with ourselves, with each other, and, and with God about what those obstacles 
really truly are? Can we be vulnerable enough to see and admit the truth, whatever it might be, when we ask that question? And then I also have to ask, I have to ask that we think about what is at stake if we fail to do this? I understand maybe even more than you know, but I understand that public expressions of faith can be difficult and even anxiety-laden for many people. I really believe a big reason for that is because of what we have seen done in the past that has had such a negative effect on others and, and our, on our own ability to, to truly share the good news. But to live out our faith publicly and authentically, it doesn't mean that we need to be shouting from those street corners, trying to scare people with the idea of eternal damnation into believing. It doesn't mean oppressing others. It doesn't mean causing pain and hurt to others. That's not what God is asking us to do. Living our faith publicly and authentically is when we show true, genuine love, compassion, mercy, and grace for one another. It's when we fully live into loving God and loving our neighbors without any question or condition placed upon that love. And I truly believe that barring any odd circumstance, that talking with family, friends, mentors, and, and others can really help each of us to be better in talking about and sharing the ways in which God has called us into and onto this amazing journey of faith. Sharing the good news can be terrifying we don't know how people are going to react. And something that is so important, so much at the core of not just our beliefs, but of who we are, when you share that with someone and it is not accepted at the bare minimum of even just in a loving way, when you are faced then with rejection or ridicule, it's like getting stabbed in the heart. But at the same time, in this great contradiction, it is what we are called to do. And we have to trust and know that there is no place on this earth that God will call us to, that God is not already there, and God is not already walking with us every step of that journey. It doesn't make it any easier sometimes. It is still challenging to trust but I promise you, when we are able to move into that way of living our faith authentically, your whole world changes in ways that you would never imagine, and the true sense of joy that you experience is almost beyond words.
Amen. I'd like to invite you to turn to pages 15 and 16 in your hymnals as we prepare to celebrate Holy Communion. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Before the mountains were brought forth or you had formed the earth, from everlasting to everlasting, you alone are God. You created light out of darkness and brought forth life on the earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenants to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ, in whom you have revealed yourself, our light and our salvation. You sent a star to guide wise men to where the Christ was born. And in your signs and witnesses in every age and throughout all the world, you have led your people from far places to his light. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. The same way also, when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit in us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. In the United Methodist Church, we practice open communion. What that means is that this table doesn't belong to me, to this church, to our denomination. This table belongs to Jesus Christ and he alone. And it is he who dictates who comes forward, who is invited to this table. And I can tell you, he has invited everyone to come and partake. It doesn't matter your age, your race, your ethnicity, whether you've been baptized in this denomination or any other. It doesn't matter your financial or social standing, your sexual orientation or identity. All of those ways that we try and try and separate ourselves from one another, those boxes that we cram each other into, that's not what he sees. Jesus looks out and sees beloved children of God, siblings, and all he asks is that you come and partake with an open heart. This morning we will celebrate the great Thanksgiving. Rose will be dismissed. You will be invited to come forward. You will be given a piece of bread and a cup of juice. You can choose to receive your elements one of two ways. One is intinction, which is a big word that means you can take your bread, dip it in your juice, and receive the elements together. Your other option would be to take the bread and then the juice. Neither one is better or worse than the other. Neither one's going to get you a better grade on the report card when it's all over. It is all the same in his eyes. We are blessed with this holy sacrament, and it is something that when we have the opportunity to partake in, to be with one another in, it is a holy and blessed moment that nothing can take away from. Brothers and sisters, the table has been set. Come and taste that God is good.
eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. I invite you to please rise as you are able for our closing hymn number 664, sent forth by God's blessing. Beloved children of God and cherished siblings in Jesus, our Lord and Savior said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And now may Christ, the true light, shine upon you that you may walk in righteousness all of your days. May you always know the love, grace, and mercy of God and share it with all you meet. Amen. Amen.